First question comes to us from Risto on YouTube. He wants to know, what can I do to prevent arthritis? You're right to be attentive to it and to look to the role of diet. And rheumatoid arthritis is kind of the granddaddy of all of them where nutrition has come in. And researchers over many years have discovered a number of things. That getting away from animal products helps a lot. So why should that help? Because there's no dairy in your diet. That means there's no dairy proteins to trigger an antibody reaction. There's no meat in your diet, there's no eggs. So that means there are no meat or egg proteins to trigger antibodies either. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen, or a view, or a download, wherever it is in the world that you are. We appreciate the fact that you are here. And I'll tell you who else is here today. Dr. Neil Barnard is here with us, and he will be answering all kinds of listener questions, your questions. Everything about diet and nutrition is on the table as we help to take charge of our health in 2021. So today we will be exploring myths and dishing out facts and getting you set for what hopefully will be the healthiest year of your life. So we have a lot of great questions filling the doctor's mailbag, like can arthritis be helped or even prevented by eating a plant-based diet? And what's the difference between the nutrients found in whole fruits versus blending them up in smoothies? Dr. Barnard also going to be talking about oil. Any oil, can that be healthy or are they all dangerous health traps? Plus, of course, with this being a new year, we're going to be giving out some tips for weight loss. And Dr. Barnard has great advice for someone wanting to know how they can talk to their family about processed meat being a carcinogen. And a whole lot more is on the table, too. So let's go ahead right now and open up that doctor's mailbag with Dr. Barnard on the exam room. Dr. Barnard, you ready for this? You bet. And Happy New Year, Chuck. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy 2021. I have a feeling it's going to be a fantastic year. It's going to be an interesting year, that's for sure. All right, here we go. First question comes to us from Risto on YouTube. He writes that my father has rheumatoid arthritis. He's 31 years old, Risto is, and completely plant-based, is eating a very low-fat diet. But he wants to know, what can I do to prevent arthritis? Okay, well, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that your father is dealing with rheumatoid arthritis, um, but you're right to be attentive to it and to look to the role of diet. And let me suggest a couple things that that you might want to also bring to your father's attention because they might help him. We've been looking at arthritis for a long time and uh, many other uh, research teams have as well. For people who don't know what we're talking about, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune condition. In other words, it's not just that your joints are are dealing with the wear and tear of day-to-day activity something is attacking them. And if you looked into, if you looked into the joint, what you discover is that the synovial membrane that lines that joint is inflamed. It's ugly looking, it's being attacked. And that attack is coming from antibodies. Your white blood cells are making these 
antibodies, proteins that are supposed to attack viruses, but they're attacking you, your own tissues. And there are many other autoimmune conditions like certain thyroid diseases are autoimmune, Sjogren's disease, asthma, there's lots of them. Uh, but rheumatoid arthritis is kind of the granddaddy of all of them where nutrition has come in. And researchers over many years have discovered a number of things, that getting away from animal products helps a lot. So you, you've taken that step already. Why should that help? Because there's no dairy in your diet. That means there's no dairy proteins to trigger an antibody reaction. There's no meat in your diet. There's no eggs. So that means there are no meat or egg proteins to trigger antibodies either. And if your father made the same changes you have made, it is possible that his arthritis could improve or even go away. Uh, so that's thing one. And I would, I would encourage anybody who's got rheumatoid arthritis to go on a vegan diet. Some people need to go a little further. There are certain triggers within the plant community where uh, you need to exclude certain things too. So there are uh, about 12 foods that are commonly cited as triggers. And let me give you the whole list from top to bottom. Um, some are animal derived, some are plant derived. Dairy products, number one, chocolate, eggs, citrus fruits, meat products, wheat products, um, nuts of all times, particularly tree nuts and also peanuts, uh, tomatoes, onions, corn, apples, bananas. Now, some of these foods, as you'll say, they're, they're totally healthy. What's wrong with an apple? Nothing. But if you are allergic to strawberries, you can't have strawberries. And if, if apples or bananas cause your joints to flare up, then you're going to want to skip that. And that, and that can happen um, with people. So um, the, the way you sort this out, Take four weeks, go on a totally vegan diet. You're already there. If you still got symptoms, then do an elimination diet where you take all those foods out that I just mentioned, take them all out of your diet, put them back in one at a time every two days or so. And so the first reintroduction will be at the bottom of the list, bananas. Have four bananas today and four more tomorrow. And if your joints don't, don't um, react to it, Bananas are not your trigger and you keep them. Then go on to apples, have lots of apples today and tomorrow. And then if your joints don't react to that, you keep them too. And then you go to the next one, which is say corn, have a lot of corn for two days. And if your joints flare up, stop eating corn and don't reintroduce it. You work your way back, back up, to, up the list and you just see what your triggers are. I've summarized this in a book I wrote called The Cheese Trap because you guessed it, cheese, dairy proteins, big arthritis trigger. Next question. This is a popular one, Dr. Barnard. We've gotten this from a lot of people. This is from a viewer on Instagram. They want to know what is the difference between consuming fruits and vegetables as a whole food versus consuming them in a smoothie? Uh, you know, most people are going to say, first of all, great question. And if you're having a, a vegan smoothie, it beats the heck out of bacon and eggs. So that's great. Um, but uh, what most people think of is if it's a smoothie, you're, you're grinding up the vegetables. Um, as opposed to having them be more whole. To tell you the truth, I don't really think that matters so much because you're going to grind them up when you chew them, even if they start whole. I'm going to guess that the biggest issue for you might be what you add to them. So if the vegetables are going into um, uh, a smoothie, that's mostly water and other healthy vegetables and fruits. That's fine. If you're adding a milk product or, or dairy yogurt, you're going to have whatever the effects are from the dairy added to it. Uh, if you, instead of a dairy yogurt, you're adding a soy yogurt, well, that would obviously be a better choice or almond milk or oat milk or you name it. So the additives probably matter more. 
Question. Uh, this is another popular one. This one comes to us from Catherine on Instagram. She says that I keep hearing that oil is part of a healthy diet, but is it really all that healthy? What do you say? Yeah, um, you do need oil in your diet. Um, you need a tiny amount there. This will not be on the test, but um, there is a natural plant oil called alpha linolenic acid. There's a second one called linoleic acid. And every medical student studies them because you need a tiny bit of them for good health. And they're in a lot of foods. And that's kind of the key. They're in the foods already. So if you send some broccoli to a lab, they'll tell you it's got the alpha linolenic in it, alpha linolenic acid, which happens to be an omega-3. And from that, your body can make the other omega-3s. And it's got some linoleic, which is an omega-6, and your body can make those. So you're fine. But the key here that I'm getting at is you don't have to add oils. The oils are naturally in the foods. When you start adding oils, that's when the calories start to add up. Nine calories in every gram of oil compared to only four calories in every gram of carbohydrate. And where things get really bad is if it's an animal-derived fat. Yeah, lard is not, not vitamin L. <laughs> <laughs> This holds true for olive oil and coconut oil. I know that you and I in the past have spoken about the differences between those two. Well, yeah, and, and they do differ. Um, one of the things to look at with, with oils, and let's say you're buying a commercial product. You went to the store, you got a vegan lasagna, and you're wondering how healthy is it, how unhealthy is it? Well, if it's vegan, it's got a huge advantage. There is no animal product in it. So there's no cholesterol, there's no animal fat. Great. Um, if they um, tried to create the mouthfeel for that frozen lasagna dish using coconut oil, coconut oil and palm oil are really pretty much exceptions in the plant world in that they're pretty high in saturated fat. They're not as bad as butter, but they're going to raise your, they're going to tend to raise your cholesterol level um, compared with something like olive oil, which is much lower in saturated fat and things like corn oil or safflower oil uh, lower still. So um, the olive oil is a lot less harmful to your heart compared to the coconut fat or the palm oil. But even so, you don't need olive oil in your diet. You don't need these things. They add calories. They add little traces of saturated fat. So the, the greatest thing, I think, is to learn the non-oil cooking techniques because that allows you to skip the oil and all their calories. And, and frankly, it, it allows you to play with other flavors and a, a different way of thinking about food. Oh boy, here we go. New Year's resolution. You knew that this question was going to come in. This is from a viewer on Instagram. Do you have any weight loss tips, Dr. Barnard? I'm already on a plant-based diet and I'm keeping it low fat and avoiding sugar. Well, look how well you're doing. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, let, let's go back because other people are, are listening to you with great envy, wishing they had made the changes you made. But first of all, what have you accomplished? Um, you're, you're already plant-based. That means you're avoiding all the animal fat and all those calories they have. You remember nine calories per gram. Great. There's no butter in your diet. There's no lard. Good. Gone. If you're keeping the oils low, the vegetable oils low, that really helps too. Now, here's where a lot of people need um, a little help. They'll think, gee, I'm not adding a lot of grease to stuff, but my weight's not really coming down the way I, I, I wanted to. Um, write down everything you eat. For about two days and look at the breakfast lunches and dinners and look for nuts or nut products like peanut butter look for avocado or guacamole 
look for uh, vegetable oils in dressings or used in cooking. And the reason you're looking for those is that's where the calories really get packed in. So do a search and destroy, get those things out of your diet. Let's Now you might say, well, wait a minute, I don't wanna go for the rest of my life without eating peanut butter. Fair enough. Um, but for now, if you're trying to accelerate your weight loss, set the nuts, the nut products, the avocados and the added oils aside. See how you do. Um, for most people that, I mean, 99.9% .9 of people, that is all you need to do and your weight's gonna come down really well. Uh, avoiding sugar, fair enough, but you're gonna be a little disappointed if you hope that just avoiding sugar is gonna make a big difference because even though sugar's got a bad name, it doesn't have that many calories. It's got four calories in a gram. So it's not like such a big deal unless you're eating a huge amount of it. Not, not that it's not health food, but it's not hugely calorie packed. Um, the last thing just to mention, a lot of people discover that when they bring a lot more raw foods in their diet, I'm thinking things like, um, especially a lots of fruits um, and salads and so forth, they discover that their weight loss accelerates. I'm not 100% sure why that is, but I suspect it is because, first of all, there's basically no fat in those foods. Um, there's a lot of fiber that fills you up, and it requires a little more processing from your body to make it work. Um, adding exercise, of course, is really important but exercise alone tends not to cause massive weight loss only because it also stimulates your appetite. So you eat more calories when you're done exercising, but nonetheless, it's a good addition too. So good luck. Great follow-up question here from Shashir, who has begun eating a plant-based diet and already lost 10 pounds, says that uh, they've seen improvements in their cholesterol and their blood pressure, but their fasting sugar has not dropped. It ranges from 140 to 150. Is there anything that Shashir can do to improve that uh, blood sugar? Okay, so your blood sugar in the morning before you eat, eat uh, anything is still a little bit high. You've already done the most important thing um, of all is that you're avoiding the animal products. And, and I hope you're keeping the oils really low too. And the reason is, as we've talked about sometimes on this program, is what's maintaining that high blood sugar is something called insulin resistance. Um, your pancreas knows that you've eaten some sugar because it's monitoring your blood sugar. It's like the world's greatest medical laboratory. Your pancreas, which is right behind your belly button, is sampling your blood saying, wow, your sugar's kind of high. So it makes insulin and the insulin goes to the muscle cells and the liver cells, and it then brings the sugar from the blood into those cells. But if in you that's not happening, then that could very, is very likely a condition called insulin resistance. And what causes that? What causes that is the buildup of fat particles inside the muscle cells and inside the liver cells. And you are now starting the world's greatest diet for getting rid of that. If there's no animal products in your diet, there's no animal fat, and if you keep the oils really low in exactly the way that we've been talking about since the top of the hour, um, what you'll discover is that over time, those, the fats that are in your muscle and liver cells will start to dissipate. Your insulin resistance will start to go away. And what you will see is the numbers uh, on your blood test start to gradually come down. Now, if you are being treated for diabetes by your doctor with medications, talk with your doctor or caregiver, make sure that he or she knows that you are making these changes because your doctor needs to back you off your drugs. Um, it sounds like you may not be on medication, 
But if you are, frankly, even if you're not, let your caregiver know that you're making this diet change so that the caregiver can monitor you and can adjust your medications as appropriate. It's, it's not that the diet changes are dangerous, they're not, but medications become dangerous. If you are taking them like you were before, but now your body is much healthier and can't quite handle those powerful medications anymore. Elvis checking in at 12.15, all shook up, looking for the Heart Health Hotel, wants to know which plant foods work well to fight inflammation? Oh, what a great question. Um, let's go back to where we started uh, with the question about rheumatoid arthritis. There are certain ones that cause inflammation and we want to get rid of those. That's the animal products, mainly. Dairy is like at the top of the list there. Um, and, and, and by the way, the reason we can say this with some confidence is that we measure something called C-reactive protein or CRP. And when people get away from animal products, their CRP values, which are an indicator of inflammation, improve and they improve fast. So if you're avoiding those things, great. If you're not avoiding them, you can't just be adding anti-inflammatory foods. You need to get away from, from the pro-inflammatory foods that those are animal products. Okay, so what can I add to help me fight inflammation? Uh, vegetables is in as natural a state as possible. So this is not the time to add Velveeta to your green beans. Um, vegetables are a good, healthy, anti-inflammatory food. The fruits are as well. Um, the legumes and the grains are a helpful part that round out the diet, but make your diet as vegetable and fruit heavy as you can. All right, next question comes to us from Dinah. She wants to know, if I can't eat legumes due to an allergy, can I still be eating a healthy plant-based diet? Um, oh, you're breaking my heart. Um, beans are good for you. And it, and if you really do have an allergy, I'm sorry to hear that you have to avoid them. Um, do talk with your allergist about this and see if there are, first of all, you want to make sure it really is an allergy, um, as opposed to if you got a little bit of gassiness from eating beans, that's not an allergy and you can't eat beans. And, you know, you just have smaller portions, you cook them like crazy. Um, and, and you'll find that you adjust over time to that. Most people adjust really well with that. But, it, but if you honestly do have an allergy where your, your immune system wells up and, you know, whatever, um, your allergist is aware of this, um, then you've got to avoid anything you're allergic to. You might find out if there are certain varieties that you tolerate. For example, if you are allergic to, to pintos and black beans, but you can tolerate chickpeas, or regular peas or something like that. That's good to know because there's, you know, there is such great nutrition in the legume group. They're high in protein, they're high in soluble fiber, they've got iron, they've got calcium, they've got lots of great stuff. They, they don't have a good lobby group, but they got great nutrition. Um, so uh, that's it. If you're allergic, you really got to avoid them. Um, do see if um, your allergic uh, reactions also apply to things like soybeans, which are somewhat different from black beans biochemically, and then the soybean products, uh, where in some cases when you're, what, what you're reacting to typically is the protein in it. And if the, if the protein in the plant is happens to be one that you're not reacting to and you can get away with, that's good to know. Your doctor will help you find that out. Doesn't have a good lobby group, but does have good nutrition. You got jokes, my friend. Um, <laughs> Wendy wants to know, uh, she says, you often mention algae-based supplements as an alternative to fish oil, but can flaxseed also be an alternative? Yeah, it sure can. Um, flaxseed, um, earlier on, I mentioned that your body needs some oils, and one of those is alpha-linolenic acid. 
and it's an 18 carbon omega-3 and flax is the granddaddy of it all. Um, so if you grind up some flax and you add it to your salad or whatever, you get a little extra crunch and, and texture and you're getting some omega-3 there too. Um, the reason that some people, I'm not pushing this, but the reason some people choose to get an algae-based omega-3 supplement is what's in flax oil is an 18 carbon omega-3. It goes into your body. Your body says, okay, to pack this in my brain, I need to make it longer. I'm going to take 18 carbons, uh, the 18 carbon chain, and I'm going to add two more to it, and I'll add a couple more after that. And then pretty soon it makes something called DHA, which the brain says, thank you, this is great, I can use this. Your body has all the enzymes for doing that. Uh, for some people, it's kind of slow. And if you're eating other fats, other oils, it slows it down even more because the enzymes can't handle all these different fats. Um, so some people say, well, I'm just going to get DHA directly. They go to the store. And they discover that a lot, so the DHA is fish derived. But then they discover right next to it is vegan DHA, which is algae derived. And it's just like the fish oils. If, if anything, it's cleaner and it works fine. Um, and so some people choose that because it doesn't have to be converted. Um, do you need it? The, the data on this, um, the, the data suggesting that DHA supplements improve heart health, frankly, that, that, the data on that are extremely weak and the, the research studies have, have really crashed and burned with regard to heart health benefits of omega-3 supplementation. I think the one area though that I think is still alive uh, in the nutrition world is the effects on Alzheimer's disease uh, as follows. Some people will say, if I test your blood and you're really low in DHA in a blood test, then you probably are at higher risk for Alzheimer's disease down the road. And if you supplement, I can pump it up and maybe that'll help you. Uh, that may well be true. Um, and others have said that in these supplementation trials, it turns out that men supplementing with DHA appear to have, or even though naturally high DHA levels have higher rates of prostate cancer. So at that point, that's where the discussion is. Um, would it help reduce the risk of Alzheimer's, but do these supplements increase the risk of prostate cancer? That's where it is that people are kind of making their own choice. If you do want to go this route, you can get tested yourself. There are companies, uh, probably the best known is called Omega Quant. You go online, and then by the way, I'm not pushing this, you don't have to do it, but um, you go online, you pay them 50 bucks, they'll send you a card, you put one drop of blood on it, send it back, and they'll tell you what your DHA level is, and then, and then you start buying vegan DHA, and you supplement it for three or four months, and test again, and see what happens. But, but science has not yet caught up with your question. Um, we, we will hopefully know more in the coming years as more research comes in. Another great question, popular one when it comes to weight and weight loss. Someone on Instagram is wondering how much they should rely on their BMI if they know that they're already at a healthy weight. Not at all. If you know you're at a healthy weight, you can you can forget calculating your BMI. Uh, BMI is it really got its start in research studies and in trying to make guidelines for people that were better than just standing on the scale. So if you stand on the scale and you weigh 180 pounds, is that a good weight or a bad weight? Well, if you're four foot 11, it's not such a great weight. You're probably overweight, but if you're six foot five, you know, it's, it's a whole different thing. So, so BMI, body mass index, is just a way of adjusting the weight for how tall you are. And you can go online and type in BMI calculator. You plug in your height, plug, plug in your weight, and the numbers will say if you're between 18.5 and 25, you're in a range 
it's pretty low risk for developing diabetes, heart disease, certain cancers. That's good. In fact, if you're kind of in the lower part of that range, uh, below 22, 23, but above 18 and a half, that's kind of the range where, the, where health is probably optimized. What the BMI cannot adjust for is it doesn't know if that extra weight is muscle. Is it fat? What is it? That it really can't differentiate. And if you know you're already at a good weight, no, you don't have to deal with BMI at all. Another question from Instagram. Is it possible that a plant-based diet can help with Hashimoto's disease? Uh, qualified, yes. Um, we need more research here. Now, Hashimoto's is, within the U.S., the most common form of hypothyroidism. You, your, your thyroid gland is not putting out enough thyroid hormone. And because thyroid hormone gives you energy and helps regulate your digestion and your weight, all these things go haywire when, you're, when, when, when your thyroid gland isn't putting out the thyroid hormone as much as you need. Hashimoto's is a disease discovered by Dr. Hashimoto in Japan, where he found that the reason that the thyroid isn't putting out so much thyroid hormone, it's not because your diet is low in iodine, which, which, which will also contribute. In, in, in this situation, it's because you're making antibodies that are attacking the thyroid. And to answer your question, what about diet? Foods seem to trigger that reaction. Earlier, we were talking about rheumatoid arthritis. Um, you're eating dairy products. It causes the body to react by making antibodies that attack the joints. What if it attacks thyroid? So now you can't put out thyroid hormone anymore. That's Hashimoto's. Um, the reason that we think that diet plays a role is really two reasons. Uh, the first is, first is this is in, individuals have done diet changes and found their Hashimoto's went away. It's not a very organized way of doing research, but there have been many case studies like that where somebody went on particularly a diet without animal products, they got better. The second reason is in the Adventist Health Study 2, they rounded up a very large number of people and they found that meat eaters had more Hashimoto's, more hypothyroidism than the vegans did. And the people eating a lot of dairy did worst of all. Um, so there's no reason not to do a healthy, low-fat, plant-based diet. And if you have Hashimoto's, let your endocrinologist know you're making a diet change and see how you do. And your doctor can monitor you and can discontinue your Synthroid or whatever medication you're using um, if and when it's appropriate to do so. See if we can slide a couple of more in before we run out of time here. This is a great question. So often somebody in the family goes first with the plant-based diet, and then they wonder, how can I talk to my family about it without coming across as preachy? Specifically, this person wants to know, how can they talk to their family about processed meat being carcinogenic? Oh, I feel your pain. Um, it, it, the problem is you're not talking about logic anymore. Um, there is no logic in slaughtering a pig um, and frying up its muscle tissue and eating it. This is all just culture and, and almost, almost sort of like an addictive quality of things that we grew up with. And so when you talk to your family members about it, they are no longer plugging in the gray matter when they're responding to you. What they're doing is their stomach is giving you all the rationalizations for why they want to keep eating bacon and sausage and ham and so forth. Um, but nonetheless, um, you can try logic. And um, I, I would suggest a couple of things. Um, first of all, re regarding the effects of processed meats, it, it, it's beyond question. We are as sure that 
processed meats cause colorectal cancer, as we are, the tobacco causes lung cancer. There is no question about it. And every serving that you have will increase your risk by 15, 16, 17, 18%, something like that, if it's part of your daily diet. So that means if you've got a serving of uh, bacon for breakfast and a hot dog for lunch, or two hot dogs for lunch, you just multiply it out. Your, your risk is going up. And, and doctors are nervous about this because bacon is a fad, especially among young people, and colorectal cancer rates are going up. Uh, the same foods increase the risk of breast cancer and many other forms of cancer. You want them out of your diet completely. Um, the other thing, though, it, it's good to share this information. The other thing, though, I think it's also good to just try the alternatives because the veggie sausages are really getting pretty good. The veggie bacons are still kind of a loose interpretation of the original, but um, when people have had them, they discover they kind of like them. And you never know when a family member will start to prefer what, what, what you're offering. So um, share the facts and share the tastes of the new products and see how you do. And it seems like Miss Brown is just beginning her plant-based journey here. She wants to know, is vegan butter okay or should that be limited? Um, I would limit it um, based on what you see on the label. If it's made with coconut oil or palm oil, I would skip it completely. If the saturated fat content is more than a half a gram or so per, per serving, I would just buy a better bread and so that you don't have to butter it. And last question comes to us from Lisa. This is an interesting one for those night eaters. She writes, I like eating something nutritious right before bed because it helps me to fall asleep. Is this okay? Well, it's true. Um, when you have a healthy um, sort of high or even a not so healthy high carbohydrate meal, even something like white bread, it will stimulate the release of serotonin in the brain. So you will find that you sleep better. And um, if a honking horn at 2.30 in the morning woke you up from sleep and now you can't go back to sleep, having a slice of bread will do the same. It, I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but you'll see that it does work. Um, by the same token, you don't want to have that same kind of food early in the morning. You want to have more substantial food in the morning. Still vegan though, of course. Um, if you're eating a lot of food in the evening, uh, for some people, it becomes a real calorie uh, mine that ends, ends up frustrating their weight loss efforts. But if that's not an issue for you, then there's nothing wrong with having a meal late. You know, I'll tell you, over the holidays, I made the mistake. I got up one time in the middle of the night and I was just hungry for some reason. And I wound up eating way more than I should have. I woke up the next morning just terribly bloated, not feeling my best at all. Um, but that's a, that's a trap that I think a lot of people yeah. fall into. So true or false, no matter what it is, you really want to watch how much it is that you're eating if you're partaking in the midnight snack. It's, it's, it's great to get in the groove of having your dinner at dinner time and kind of forgetting about food after that. For many people, their refrigerator becomes sort of your constant companion starting about 8.30 until you finally knock off at 11.30. And um, if you're in that that kind of rut, you might see if you can get into a healthier groove of, of, of just like saying it's closed for now <laughs> and we'll think about this again the next day. If there's something on your mind that you would like to ask the doctor, the best way to do that is to join us on Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Facebook and on YouTube. That is when we do a live edition 
of the doctor's mailbag. Or right now you can also tweet that to me at Chuck Carroll WLC. Just make sure that when you send in your question, you use the hashtag exam room live. I wanted to take a second to share some really exciting news. We got some big time amazing news recently. And that is that the exam room has been nominated as the best vegan podcast of 2020 by Veg News. How great is that? Veg News nominating the exam room for being the best vegan podcast for 2020. You know, last year we produced 100 episodes amidst the pandemic. All of them designed to inform you and educate you and even inspire you when everything else seemed to be spiraling out of control health-wise around the world. But Dr. Barnard, myself, so many other experts, we rallied together to put on the exam room for you week after week after week. And on top of that, we did a live show, five of them every single week, the exam room live. We poured our heart, our soul, and everything that we know about nutrition into this show. So it is so humbling to know that not only are we changing lives and improving health and informing millions, but that our efforts are being recognized by Veg News. That is so gratifying. So if you could please take a moment to vote for the exam room and help us, help us out with that. We've put a link to cast your vote in the episode notes and bonus points. If you share that with your friends and your family, post it up on Facebook or Twitter. If you could help us, we would greatly appreciate that. Ask your friends and family to vote for the exam room as well. Now, here's a quick note about that. The podcast category is actually 56th in a long line of categories created by Veg News. So it's a lot that's on there, but it's also a whole heck of a lot of fun. You'll have fun scrolling through it. It's amazing how many different categories Veg News put together for this. So the exam room, you can find that in the 56th category. That is the best podcast category. And right before that, as a matter of fact, Dr. Barnard is nominated himself for a category. So go ahead, cast your vote for him, and then cast your vote for the exam room, and then ask your friends and family to do the same. And we appreciate that, not just your help right now, but that 3 million people listened to the exam room last year. That is amazing that we are able to touch so many lives and improve their health educate to inspire talk about our goal being to make the world a healthier place every single day we strive to do just that and we will do nothing less in 2021 matter of fact we're going to do even more there's a lot of work still to be done and believe you me the exam room we're ready for it <laughs> again you can find a link to cast your vote in the episode notes. Coming up in the near future, I'm going to be having a conversation with Dr. Hanna Kaliova. Brand new study out about the health benefits of avocados that you're going to want to hear. Plus, I have a gut health Q&A 
with the one and only Dr. Will Bolsowitz. That will be coming up soon here on The Exam Room. Plus, you're going to be hearing from John Brown. This is a gentleman who lost more than 100 pounds and get this, cut his cholesterol in half by adopting a whole food plant-based diet. Just an incredible turnaround. Such an amazing story that I cannot wait to share with you here on the show. But for today, that is all the time that we have. I want to say thank you one more time to Dr. Neil Barnard for educating us and helping to raise our health IQs. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, stay safe, take a stand, and keep it plant-based. <laughs>